Very good evening to you. A very warm welcome to yet another big kickoff uh, cricket podcast. I'm delighted to say I've been joined by two uh, cricketing uh, people here that's going to digest some interesting cricket points uh, during the last few weeks or so and just look ahead to the future as well. Joining me on the big kickoff cricket podcast uh, this evening is uh, a gentleman who's been on before. Uh, he's really enjoyed it. So we've asked him back again. Uh, welcome back, Wes. Wes Spearman, who's uh, from uh, Radio Sun. It does a cricket program there. Hi, Wes. Hi, Peter. How's things? They're not too bad, yeah. Still mostly stuck indoors with uni being online, but yeah, pretty good so far. And also, alongside Wes, making his debut on the uh, big uh, kickoff cricket podcast, a man I had the pleasure of interviewing last week, no less. And uh, I asked him if he'd love to come on, and he jumped at the chance. And I'm so pleased as well. Uh, former Middlesex and England player, Roland Butcher. Um, hi, Roland. Peter, good afternoon to you and all of your viewers. Great pleasure to be part of your program. No, it's an absolute pleasure and delight to ha have your good self on as well. So we've got Wes and Roland, uh, plus myself. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, we'll be talking IPL cricket. We'll also be... Uh, Talking about uh, the West Indies, uh, they'll be touring New Zealand as well, and uh, uh, England's tour of South Africa as well. Um, I think we're going to start, Wes, we'll kick off with that actually. Uh, yesterday, England announced the uh, touring party for the um, <clears throat> T20 and ODI series in South Africa. And, you know, I looked at my calendar, I thought, well, it's got to be a couple of months away. But it isn't. <laughs> it's literally uh, only a few weeks away. Uh, the end of November they fly out. Um, what's your thoughts on the, the T20 squad, first of all? And then I, then I come to the ODI squad, please. Uh, as you say, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> all thought it was eight, ages away to go in, in the new year, maybe. But yeah, only a few weeks uh, to go until we see England in action again. Um, yeah, on, on paper, I think their, their T20 squad... Is, is very good. Ben Stokes, of course, uh, comes back. Uh, Davin Milan still there. Good to see him still there. I think he's, I wouldn't say, been treated unfairly by England uh, with, a, with that Roy Butler opening partnership that's, that's worked really well for them so far. But Davin Milan, the number one T20 batsman in the world, he deserves uh, to be in that squad. Had an amazing series against Australia, a few 50s, and sort of playing that, that sort of Joe Root role that, that uh, he used to play, that sort of run a ball and then and then really accelerates towards the end uh, of the innings. Uh, good to see Mark Wood back as well. Um, no Joffre Arch there. Sorry, no, Joffre Arch is, is in the team. I was thinking about the ADI squad. Also, Joffre Arch been lighting it up in, in the IPL, as I'm sure we'll get on to later. Um, but good to see those two uh, in the T20 squad. Reese Toffey as well, another uh, name that perhaps has, has, hasn't played as much as he should have, I suppose. Of course, he's had quite a few injuries. Uh, throughout his, his short international career so far. But uh, a, a left-arm option, uh, different to David Willey, slightly different. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more pace, maybe doesn't swing the ball quite as much. 
Um, but the, the worry for me about this T20 squad is they've only got one out-and-out spinner, and that's Adil Rashid. Moeen Ali, of course, is there with, with his uh, off-spin as well. But to, have, to bring one spinner with, who, who has had injury problems with his shoulder is, is a little bit of a, bit of a risk for me, Peter. Yeah, I, I certainly go along with that. Um, I mean, on paper, it, it looks a, a good squad. Yes, it has to be said. I, I, I go along with that, Wes. Uh, it's good to get Reese Topley back as well, as you said. Uh, I mean, the only slight concern would be his fitness level, isn't it, more than anything else? But then, I mean, you know, that, that's a gamble that England are going to have to take, uh, admittedly, having said that. But yeah, you're right. The spin department does, you know, conjure up a few issues. Why only take one main... Uh, out and out spinner as well. Um, okay, yeah, they, they are going to South Africa. I expect the wickets there possibly might not favour too much spin, having said that. Although, remember, it's going to be November time out there, isn't it, as well? So it'd be interesting to see, you know, how that how that actually pans out. Um, the, let's move on to the one-day squad then. You know, we talked about the T20 squad. Uh, where's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, okay, a few uh, new faces in the ODR squad, but still, again, a a very strong squad on paper. Of course, Chris Vokes, one of the best opening bowlers and all-rounders in, in the one-day game. That explosive opening partnership of Roy and Bairstow again. Uh, of course, Joe Root doing, doing another job at three. Liam Livingston, a uh, mm. new name, only played uh, I think four three T20s for England so far. Didn't really do brilliantly, but he's had, he, had, he had a very good uh, last season. Uh, Sam Bellings as well, another one who's, uh, who's retained his place in the squad. A very strong series against Australia with that, that maiden hundred. Uh, and a new, newish face in, in Lewis Gregory again played a few T20s done did okay um, I think he got a wicket with his first ball in international cricket not many people can claim that um, but again a lack, lacking a little bit of the spin but of course Adil Rashid Moeen Ali we know how well they can do in, in the white ball in the white ball game but again if, if Rashid does uh, injure his shoulder again then again it is lacking uh, a little bit. Uh, Reese Toffley again in, in that ODI squad. Maybe a lot of work for him. Again, fitness concerns for him, maybe. Uh, as for Ollie Stone, he comes back uh, into the squad after playing uh, his, his last game for England was, was the only test against Ireland last year, which I was lucky enough to go and watch. Um, but again, very strong in, in the pace department. Quite a few out-and-out pace bowlers in there with Ollie Stone, Mark Wood as well, again. Fitness could be a concern. That yes, they are only playing six matches, but it is in a very short space of time. So, will those fast bowlers stay fit? That'll be key for England. It's interesting that uh, England have gone with the basis of uh, Jofra Archer and Sam Curran uh, in the T20 squad, but they've actually been rested uh, for the one-day series. I mean, that's a that's a common uh, practice of England, isn't it, to sort of pick players for certain squads and then out comes the famous word rested more than anything <laughs> um you know i'm not going to argue with the england selectors point of view but it, it does amaze me sometimes with this wonderful word of rested i mean you know how much could cricket have they actually played what is going to happen in the forthcoming future as well uh, i think um there may be resting archer and, and curran because they've played so much in the ipl and that's probably why they're in, in the T20 squad, not the ODI mm. squad. They've, they've both had fairly good IPLs. Archer, of course, one of the, one of the leading wicket-takers in, in the tournament. Um, Sam Curran, I don't think he'll open the batting for England as he did for, a, for Chennai. But um, again, Curran perhaps slightly more suited 
to the T20 game with, with his atta uh, attacking style uh, of batting and of bowling, uh, to be fair. And I think he, uh, he hasn't done too well for England in, in one day international group, but, as, as, but does well for, for Surrey and uh, played a few T20s for England as well. So I think, I don't know if he'll play too much given the, the strong squad England have got, but uh, it'll be good to see in a game or two. Roland, um, it, Ben Stokes, key figure for England uh, in all forms of the game, it has to be said. Uh, it, it's good to have him back, you know, for an, for an England point of view, of course, as well. Um, what's your thoughts on Ben Stokes as a player? Well, I think what Ben Stokes has done over the last couple of years really is, you know, transformed his game and really taken it to another, another level, particularly his batting. Always a very talented batsman, and as you know, was relied upon to do a lot of bowling. But mm. it seems obviously that his his batting has come on so much that there's a bit of a reversal now, where the concentration is on his batting, and occasionally he bowls. I think a few injuries have assisted in making sure that you know he's not out and out all around, so to speak. So he's more. When it comes to the ball, and he's more of a go-to man when things are not going well. And even with some injuries, he still delivers. So, you know, he's a key player to have in the side because his influence uh, on the field and in the dressing room is immense. And, you know, he brings a sort of confidence um, to, the, to the playing field that will make, you know, even the younger players, you know, be very calm. So he's that vital for England in all forms of the game. Interesting point there from Roland. Yeah, you're quite right, actually. So that's that's basically the, the white ball tour of uh, South Africa. There's going to be three T20s and three ODIs, as Wes said. They're all going to be crammed into a short period of time as well. It, it, it looks on paper a, a, a good squad. But um, Roland, South Africa, it's a difficult place to go to, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I think the advantage for England at this time would be you know, they have been active over the summer period where South Africa hasn't been active. And if you put on top of that the upheaval in South African cricket right now, I think that also is going to play a big part in how things go in South Africa because, you know, with the, with the board having to stand down and this person resigning, etc. I mean, it, it really, you know, they're in a bit of a mess. And they will be hoping that they can get performances on the field. I would be very surprised if their performances on the field are outstanding as a result of this. Um, so England really need to take full advantage of that. Um, there would be definitely favourites um, going into that series. And really, I think for me, they think they should win quite easily. Overall, Roland, how would you assess England uh, as a T20 side and also as a ODI side. Do you feel they are one of the best in the world? Well, results gives you a very good indication as to how good a, a team is. Uh, you know, there are lots of teams that look good but don't produce. Uh, what England have been doing over the last, you know, four or five years, they've been producing results on the field. And the confidence within the side now obviously makes them a very dangerous side. So, yes, they're one of the best sides in the world. There's no doubt about that. And obviously, you know, they won the World Cup last year. So in that format, you know, there is, there is no, nobody can say that they're not the best team in the world because they, they, they won the, the, the Cup in that, in that format. 
So I think they're in a good space right now. I think England, they, you know, they've got quite a good balance. I think what they do very well mm. is to, you know, rotate the players that they've got to ensure that people stay as, you know, fully fit. Um, not afraid to, to leave out a player, even though it may be an unpopular decision among spectators and fans. But, you know, for the good of the team and for the good of the player, you know, they do that. So, you know, you've got to give them a lot of credit and the results are there to show that what they're doing is great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just stay with you, Roland. I'm going to move on to West Indies at the moment. Now, they're going to be touring uh, New Zealand as well. How, how, how do you see that tour going? That's going to be a very, very difficult tour for West Indies. Um, New Zealand is always a, a very tough place to go and play cricket. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Uh, West Indies have not had a great deal of success in New Zealand over the years. Uh, the last tour, obviously, they were beaten quite easily. And really, as you know, West Indies have been in a real slump now for, for probably before Wes was born. Mm. So. It tells you just how much they've got to do, you know, to win this series. New Zealand, on the other hand, has been a team going in the other direction, who, you know, the last few years have been extremely competitive against every top team. And really, you know, they've got some outstanding players, a good leader, um, you know, a lot of confidence in the side. I think both batting and bowling, they're a fairly balanced team. And the advantage of playing at home, in conditions that will that they know well, conditions that will suit them. And, you know, it's played at the time of the year, which is really the start of the summer, which is likely to be still quite cold, which will work as a disadvantage to the to the West Indies, who, you know, who've just come from, you know, the Caribbean, which is very, very hot. Um, you know, you've got a lot of players in the IPL who are just gonna arrive there just before the start of the games. That's not gonna help them. And you know, the only cricket that some of these players have been playing is the CPL. Uh, obviously, they played in England during the summer, but, you know, that was many months ago. Mm-hmm. So they've just had some CPL cricket. I think New Zealand would be much more prepared because, you know, they've been at home. And as you know, as a country, they've managed the whole um, COVID-19 pandemic a lot better than the rest of the world, which has meant that, you know, they've had more freedom, which means that they'll have more time to practice, more time to prepare. So I would expect them really to be firm favourites in the series. One thing I've noticed when the the West Indies came over here, Roland, um, recently, um, a lot of the players were playing with a smile on their faces. Now, in the past, that that hasn't been the case. So I know you say, obviously, understandably, you know, in the last few years, West Indies cricket has been in a slump. It's been in a, I mean, there's no two ways about it, actually, for obvious reasons. But, you know, do you see possibly there is signs of improvement, albeit slow improvement? I think first and foremost, what I would like to say is that I would prefer to see them not have any smiles on their face and win. (laughs) 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 To have smiles on their face and lose. Um... You know, that doesn't change anything. So, yeah, aside of that, you know, they're still very much um, a team in, you know, very much in transition, still really trying to identify, you know, what is their best side. And at the moment, obviously, have problems in the opening area. Um, you know, Craig Graffit, you know, the last couple of years, who has been, you know, over the last six years or so, has been the number one opener, has had some lean periods in the last couple of years, and he's been obviously their number one opener. Uh, 
um, they've had problems at the other end, real problems. And, you know, even so that, you know, the likes of Campbell, you know, who really, you know, he hasn't set the world alight, gets another chance. That tells you the difficulty that they're having with the openers. So their team really trying to find an order and, as you, and the, the loss of form of someone like Shea Hope as well, um, really, I think, would have impacted um, the composition of the side. And obviously, finally, you know, he was left out of this tour. So, you know, you've got to wait and see actually, you know, how they perform in New Zealand as a batting unit. They've got those two openers who really haven't instilled a lot of confidence um, up till now. And then obviously, you know, Shea Hope, who took up the number three position for a long time. Mm. You now got to find um, a new number three and hope that he's successful as well. So I think all in all, you know, West Indies still really, you know, they're, they're developing. There have been small gains over the last couple of years. Um, you know, obviously the series against England and the West Indies, when they won that series, was a small gain. You know, since then, we haven't seen that sort of gain. But really, you know, West Indies still have a long, long way to go before you can see they are on the road to recovery. Wes, um, what's your take on the West Indies at the moment? Um, I suppose similar to what Roland said, yes, they are still needed, needing improvement. Um, and yeah, I was going to ask, ask about um, John Campbell, whether, whether he deserves another go. He didn't have a brilliant series uh, over here uh, with the bat. I think he's averaging, again, around about mm. the mid-20s, the mid which isn't brilliant for, for, well, for any batsman, in, in fact. Uh, of course, Shy Hope left out. Um, and as as Ronan said, huge loss of form didn't perform at all well over here. Um, but there, there are a, a few names that I, I I do like the look of in that squad. Jermaine Blackwood uh, being one of them. We know what what an aggressive player he can be batting at in that number five five six slot. Um, again, he always seems to perform well against England. He had a, he had a good summer. Scored uh, a, a ninety odd, I think, in in Southampton. And then, and then gave his hundred away with, with not many runs uh, left to win. Uh, Shamar Brooks uh, is an, is another player I, I really like the look of when he when he played uh, over over here in the summer. Very uh, experienced player, got a uh, I think he got a Test hundred to his name as well. And I think he he might be able to take up that, that number three four role that uh, that Shy Hope uh, had before uh, before he was dropped. Uh, again, Shimon Hetmeyer comes back. Uh, into the squad, perhaps yet to establish himself uh, in the test or any more of a more of a white ball player. Again, another one, one of those aggressive out and out, uh, very outgoing batsmen. Um, I think the the bowling maybe looks a little bit like Kimar Roach is is brilliant, one of the best in the world, uh, leading that attack. Shannon Gable again, uh, very good. Had a had a decent series over here, and we know what a great leader Jason Holder is with with ball. Uh, and bat. Um, and it, when it comes to that sort of first, second change, uh, bowlers, Alzari Joseph, again, get to establish himself. Uh, Kimo Paul, still very young. I think he's only about 22. And uh, Shamar Holder as well, who hasn't played an awful lot either. So um, I think New Zealand definitely go into the series as, as firm favourites, especially given uh, they're playing at home and they've been are playing first-class cricket there as well for the last month or so, but certainly the last few weeks. Um, yeah, it will be a test for the West Indies, I suppose. <laughs> That's why it's called test cricket, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, 
it will be tough for the West Indies, but hopefully they, they can find those those players to uh, to fit those perhaps. I'm going to stay with you, Wes. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to IPL now. Um, I know you've watched a lot of it. Um, I know Roland's also likewise. So I'll come on to Roland's take of the IPL shortly. Uh, on a personal note, I've thoroughly enjoyed it this year. I think it's been absolutely brilliant. There's been some fantastic cricket played, some great finishes, super over. Uh, who can forget the double super over as well in that match? Um, it's building up to a thrilling final. It really is. You know, obviously we've got the um, tomorrow, isn't it? The uh, uh, qualifiers and the, uh, uh, you know, those sort of games coming on, etc. as well. Um I personally think this has been the best IPL ever. Now, that's probably a strong statement, even coming from me, actually. But, but what's your thoughts so far on the IPL? Um, well, as you say, it has been a very good tournament. I think to get the tournament on in the first place, to get it going, to be held mm. in the UE, given uh, India's struggles with COVID, has, has been a, a huge effort. Um, it is sad that, that we didn't get the T20 World Cup uh, instead, that the IPL uh, took forefront, perhaps for, for financial reasons. Um, but it has been a, an outstanding tournament. Just just six points separating Mumbai Indians, who who are top of the table, and, and Rajasthan, who who uh, finished with uh, twelve points, just six wins. And in fact, every every team that, that didn't make the playoffs, the bottom four, all finished on twelve points. It mm-hmm. has been a very uh, close uh, uh, tournament, and um. RCB making the playoffs for the, for the first time in a while, I believe. Um, I think one of the the players um, performing really well for RCB, one that one that certainly uh, caught my eye was uh, was Devdutt Padikal, the young twenty year old opening batter, just born just one day before me. In fact, I've just, <laughs> I've just seen. <laughs> um, he's he's been absolutely superb for RCB at, at the top of the order. Four seventy two runs, I think third or fourth uh, leading run scorer. Average of uh, in the in the thirty striking, uh, I think over one hundred and twenty as well. He's been absolutely superb. And then, of course, you got the powerhouses of, of Virat Kohli, AB de Villiers down the order uh, for RCB. Uh, Delhi again performing uh, really well. They're they're in second. Uh, Kikiso Ribada been absolutely outstanding. And uh, and to be fair, and, and Rishi Nokia uh, as well in in the fast bowling department. Uh, Rajasthan perhaps a little bit disappointing given. The quality of, of the players they have in, in the likes of uh, Steve Smith, Joff Butler, Joff Archer, and of course Ben Stokes, who, who scored a century for them. Um, yeah, they, they will be disappointed. Um, Sunrise is just sneaking in there at the end, beating uh, Owen Morgan's Kolkata Knight Riders yesterday to, uh, to make it into the playoffs for uh, the third or fourth time they've, they've been in that top four. But um, yeah, as, as you say, I think uh, three or four more games to go of the qualifier to, uh, tomorrow. And yeah, they'll they'll be very, uh, very close games. Some some brilliant teams, some brilliant players as well in those matches. Roland, um, IPL at the moment. Obviously, it's been entirely different. Been no crowds, etc. Um, a lot of people were saying that without any crowds, it's not going to be the same. There won't be the same intensity. But as Wes has just backed up my point, really, there's been some close games. It's been a wonderful tournament all round. Um, would you go along with that? So overall, it has been a pretty satisfying tournament. When you consider the circumstances, um, obviously, you know, football has proven that 
you don't really need to have crowds to have exciting games. You know, they have adapted well. And I, I was under no doubt that cricket would do the same. And obviously, what West Indies and England put on and Pakistan during the summer showed that, you know, without crowds, it is possible to play good cricket. I think this particular IPL, I must say, I, I have not been watching a lot of games. Like, you know, I have friends here who watch every single game. Um, the IPL, unfortunately for me, it doesn't hold that sort of sway. I, if it was a test match, then I would watch every day. Um, if there were two test matches a day, mm. I, I would do that. But what I would say is that this year in particular, it has been a very close um, competition so far. And at this stage, I think it would be very difficult to choose a winner. I think right now, all the sides uh, are capable of, of winning this because, you know, if you look at the amount of games that the teams have lost over the 14 matches, you know, even the team at the top, Mumbai Indians, you know, they've lost five games. Um, you know, and Deccan Chargers have lost six and then the others have lost seven. Uh, so really, it, what that tells you is that, you know, on the day, any of these teams can be beaten. So I expect really that, you know, it may be uh, a bit of a surprise who actually wins um, this tournament. Not necessarily the ones that you feel will do, will do so. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really will be. So we look forward to that. Um, Roland, I had the pleasure of interviewing your good self last week. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, it was a fascinating chat. We talked basically all things cricket, understandably. Sorry, I don't know that. Uh, and then I posed a question. I said to Roland, um, what would you actually like to see change in cricket? But so many people uh, say, look, you know, this should be changed. Why on earth? Should, why doesn't that happen, etc.? Roland, you came up with a wonderful point about finances in cricket. So go ahead and just tell everybody it, because I was fascinated by it. Uh, yes, Peter. I think the one thing that I would like to see change and change immediately, because it would be for the betterment of cricket all around the globe, is how the ICC distribute their funding. So, and how they operate the, um, the Future Tours program. I think the Future Tours program is a huge disadvantage to all the teams that accept India, Australia, and England. And as a result, those three teams get huge funding from the Future Tours program, where the others uh, get very little. Now, for those who may not understand how the Future Tours program operates, it operates in a way that a home series the team who's playing at home takes all the revenue from that series. So the away team literally gets nothing. Now, on the face of it, that might appear to be fair. But how can it be fair when you play in Australia, say West Indies are playing in Australia, and these days you don't really play five tests, so you say you play three tests, three ODIs, three T20s. You play at Brisbane, 50,000. Perth, 50,000. You go to Sydney, 60,000. Adelaide, 60,000. Um, MCG, 100,000 people. Now, those are huge crowds. And obviously, the, the money they pay in Australia is, is a reasonable amount of money. So all those gate receipts are retained by, the, by Australia. So as well as, obviously, all the TV rights, etc., etc. Now... 
you have the return series, Australia against West Indies in the Caribbean. Uh, Trinidad, 15,000 people paying five US dollars. Barbados, 12,000, probably playing the same five US dollars. Jamaica, you know, 10,000. Guyana, similarly. Now you see the figures from those, um, those matches particularly in the Caribbean, it does not produce a lot of revenue. So by not producing a lot of revenue, West Indies are in a position that they cannot invest um, in the territorial boards, they cannot invest in development, they can invest in technology. So really, their cricket cannot grow at the pace that they want it to, to compete with the likes of Australia, England, and India, who have those massive crowds at home. Now, that is the Future Tours program. Now, if you put on top of that, the distribution of ICC funds, ICC funding comes from the, the World Cup, men and women, T20 World Cup, etc. Those are the gains that they get, the tournaments that they get their money from. Now, and obviously what they do is all the teams come together as one group when they sell the, the broadcasting rights, etc. But when all of that money is collected, and it's collected because of all of the teams, the distribution now is so unfair that again, it's of benefit to the first three. So over a year period of distribution, India would get $409 million. Um, England would get 139. 128 the others will get, and Zimbabwe will get 94, right, of that funding. That is huge. Mm. Now, when you go one step further, now India is allowed to have the, the IPL, and when the IPL is on, there is no international cricket played around the world because they ensure that a window is there for India um, to have this IPL. Now, you would imagine that because of that, that ICC would benefit from that, whereby they would be able to then distribute funds to the other international teams. No, sir. India makes about $572 million a year from the IPL, of which they keep all. The only money that comes out of the IPL are release fees for the players. So say, for instance, uh, Barbados has in the in the IPL Jason Holder. Say they have well, Joe for Arch is a Barbadian too. He, he came from Barbados. Right? So what would happen um, in the case of that is that or say Carlos Braffitt, the IPL has to pay a percentage of their money to the West Indies Cricket Board as release fees, and then that money is split three ways between West Indies Cricket Board, it'd be between the Barbados Cricket Association and between the team, the local team that the player comes from in Barbados. So that's split three ways. So that's the only money that is released from the IPL. There's no international cricket, so no other international team has a chance of making funds because there's no international cricket. Now, those things really cannot be fair if we want a level playing field, and if we want better international teams across the board. 
If you only want three good teams, by all means, continue that process. If you want 10 good competing teams, because to me, I'm not, only, I'm not interested in only Australia playing India, Australia playing England, and vice versa. You know, I want to see that when they're playing New Zealand, when they're playing Bangladesh, when they're playing West Indies, that it is competitive, you know, and the standard then would be lift. A way that they could deal with this is to look at the way NFL does it in, in the United States. Mm. NFL, on behalf of all 32 teams, collect all the revenues from broadcasts, etc., etc. But what they do different to ICC is that they now distribute that equally amongst the 32 teams, which means that a team like the Denver Broncos don't get more money than San Francisco 49ers. Because if you get more money, you can go and buy bigger players. Mm. So by distributing the funds equally, all the clubs now have um, the same sort of buying power. Obviously, when you play at home, you still get your, your gear receipts, etc., etc. But the teams now have buying power to ensure that they are competitive. So I would like to see that happen in cricket. Whether it will happen, um, I am not sure because, you know, there's a lot of self-interest um, involved uh, in, in the ICC. But I think that's the fairest way to ensure that cricket survives around the world. It means then you have more money to invest into the, the associates because you want the associates playing good cricket, getting ODI status, and some of them going on to get test status. And, and you want them then to be also competitive um, in the game. If you don't want that, maintain the present system of um, the distribution and the future tours program. But for me, Definitely, I would like to see that change. Brilliant. I 100% endorse those uh, comments as well, Roland. Wes, very quickly, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, what would you like to see change in cricket? Um, again, certainly, Tarot, and that was a fantastic point there. Um, but also along the lines of, of you mentioning associate teams and, and those sort of lower ranked teams, I'd like to see more teams in the World Cup. Um, in 2015, there were... 12, 14 or 16 teams, I can't quite remember. Um, but certainly the last World Cup reduced to 10. The next World Cup, I believe, is going to be 10 also. Um, and we've seen even, even just, just over the last year or so, um, I mean, even a couple of days ago, Zimbabwe beat Pakistan in, in a thrilling super over match. Ireland beat England uh, this summer as well. And of course, a couple of years ago, Scotland beat England for the first time in, in one-day cricket. Um, but again, that, that would then give give those associate nations and, and lower ranked sides more more exposure on the in, on the international stage more uh, more income as well to perhaps and develop uh, their players develop their squads more develop uh, the, just just the standard of cricket altogether and yes they will get rolled over a few times but they they get a chance to play with with the best players in the world and i think that's what is what's most important for these these countries and, and these teams development if they want to Get to get better at the game and to and to put themselves out on the international stage, and then that could then then lead to more more income as well. Mm. Brilliant, fantastic! <coughs> excuse me, fantastic points as always. <coughs> thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. We have run out of time. Uh, Roland, thanks once again for your contribution. Um, look after yourself, won't you, Wes? 
Likewise as well. Thank you so much for your contribution. This has been the Big Kickoff Cricket Podcast. I have been Peter Moore. We will be back in a few weeks' time with another cricket podcast, talking more cricketing issues as well as the stories develop. Thank you very much for listening to us and take care.